Hello, this is Karen Griffin introducing Space to Be's podcast on people and performance, leadership and love. Conversations with leaders, practitioners, experts, authors, and anyone with extensive experience and good insight into the world of work in the 21st century. Good morning. I'm delighted to introduce Gwen Sterling Wilkie, a long-standing OD consultant with extensive experience in dialogic processes to help businesses and public sector organisations move their strategies forward. And more recently, Gwen has developed pioneering approaches for virtual consulting and facilitation. Of note, she is a best-selling author of the interestingly titled From Physical Place to Virtual Space, How to Design and Host Transformative Spaces Online. This book zoomed to, to the number one spot of the Amazon Business Book Charts. Hi, Gwen. It's great to have you with us today. Hi, Karen. It's lovely to be here and thank you for inviting me to take part. So let's start with what inspired you to write this book? I'm not sure I was inspired to write it so much as um, it was an opportunity. And um, two of the OD uh, tutors that that helped me learn all about this wonderful subject of organisation development actually approached me. They had seen something that I had posted on LinkedIn early in, oh, I think it was April last year, when I think everybody was trying to get their head around, what does this this working virtually mean? And I produced a really simple guide for the client that I was working for about how to facilitate online. And one of the editors, Jervis Bush, got hold of that, picked it up, got in touch with me and said, we'd love you to write a book on this subject Um, And so that's where it started from. Um, And I got really excited about it uh, and thought, well, why not? You know, everything else in my working world has been thrown up in the air. Why not add writing a book about my experiences to that to that whole mix? And I think I also sensed that this was such an important fundamental shift in how I go about doing my work as an OD practitioner, and also how other people in the field that I work in as consultants also were going through such a fundamental shift that I thought, what an amazing opportunity to capture that learning and and to share it with everybody. Fantastic. So that is actually what I was going to talk about next, which is I sense this new way of working might have challenged you as a long-standing consultant in terms of how you go about influencing and facilitating and supporting that really important relational change in business. Yeah, and I think the first thing for me was having to unlearn. I think there's something about when we are brought in and invited in by our clients as consultants that that we kind of, in some respects, feel quite comfortable, even though we may not know what's ahead of us. We, we, we hold an expertise that we are offering our clients. And suddenly this expertise was being kind of thrown up in the air. It was like I was a beginner again. Um, and that brought a sense of what I call um, nervous-sighted. Uh, there's a really good friend of mine, um, in fact, a colleague who you know, Ali Herdman, um, her daughter, one of her daughters coined this phrase and said, you know, mommy, I feel nervous sighted. It's this mixture of nervousness and excitement. And I think that's what I felt stepping into this space. Um, 
I felt outside my comfort zone. I felt really stretched and challenged. And yet at the same time was supporting my client through this process, helping them feel safe enough to embrace a very, very different way of approaching a piece of consulting work. You know, yet we are all being challenged through the pandemic. You know, everything was being thrown up in the air about about what we the way we used to do things. We had to do things differently. And I think there's something about there's a great phrase, isn't there, which is necessity is the mother of all invention. And, And so we had to recreate stuff. So it's really changed the way I approached my work. Um, which has been great with hindsight and terrifying at the beginning. Absolutely. So before we get into the content and key messages, of course, what did you learn from embracing this new way of being and relating? That might be a useful motivational shift for our listeners. For me, it took me right back to a fundamental. No matter where we do our work, whether it is virtually, whether it's in person, whether it's remote distance, whatever it may be, as as people who are part of an organization, who are part of a team, fundamentally, we all want to feel welcomed. We want to feel involved. We want to feel valued. We want to feel we want to feel respected and, and feel like we can be heard, like our voice and our contribution can be heard. And that we have an opportunity to contribute to and shape the way that our business, the way that our organization does things. That fundamental thing still exists. But what's changed is the route to doing it. And so this whole working virtually, virtual facilitation, virtual workshops has really helped open a whole different way of fulfilling that basic human fundamental need that we have to to belong and to be heard and so for me that's probably the biggest the biggest thing that I learned that's my biggest lesson yeah and of course this book is going to take the readers on a journey of understanding what the new steps really ought to be because I you know most people have just kind of found their way haven't they it's been an experience of jumping in with both feet and leading ourselves through massive change and learning as we go along but you've obviously given this far more um uh, proactive thought what is the journey that that the book takes the readers on it's it's a really a journey and I'd love to say that I had thought it all through at the beginning and I didn't So the book is almost like um, a reflective, retrospective fitting of some of the things that I was working with intuitively, some of the things that I actively experimented with and adjusted during the course of of a nine-month piece of consulting work. And that's the genesis of the book is, you know, the journey of the book is what have I learned through that nine months from starting off as a complete novice on Zoom. I think somebody else had put me into a breakout room. I didn't really know what the hell they were. And and there was so much that I didn't know. And, And actually then being able to work with 600 people, getting them to contribute towards a cultural shift, towards having conversations around what is the leadership we need in the future. That was the the subject matter of my consulting project. And so the book 
really looks at each of the elements that are really important, what I call the difference that makes a difference in being able to be successful as a as a consultant working through a virtual space you know working through zoom and um, which was which is my platform of choice other platforms are available of course um, and it's based around dialogic od so that principle of participation co-creation and and creating shared meaning so the book is in two parts the first part looks how we prepare the virtual space. Um, and that's all of the kind of the technical stuff around participation, around where are the organizational maturity levels around virtual working? What technical platforms do people use? Can we use collab virtual collaboration tools and online platforms? And how do we match what we're designing with where the organization is is mature enough around collaborative working and working online. It looks at how to build psychological safety and, and how to step back and, and, and create an arc of transformation. Because, you know, as consultants and as whether it's an internal consultant, whether you're an HR director, whether you're an organization consultant, we rarely run one single workshop. It's normally a sequence of things. So how do we sequence things in a virtual environment? So that's the first part of the book, the part one. And then part two looks really at how to, how to master virtual consulting. So um, how, how, what does effective online working look like for groups? How do we improve group effectiveness? As a consultant, how do we intervene to shift the flow and the pattern and the effectiveness of what's happening in front of us on the screen. So how do we use our presence? How do we use our ourselves as, as instruments of our work? Um, and how we adapt some of the common um, dialogic OD approaches into an online environment, whether that's um, methodologies like appreciative inquiry, open space, World Cafe, how can these be adapted and adopted into this virtual world? So my retrospective learning, once the project was coming towards an end, enabled me then to be able to put some frameworks and models together to be able to capture what it is that, that I learned and, and how I applied it. So I created the Transformative Spaces Online framework, which, as I said, splits into these two parts, preparing the virtual space and mastering virtual consulting. And, and the other piece was just about what could be achieved, I think, which was probably the most surprising part of it for me. I knew this approach and this methodology that I had worked um, in, in a face-to-face -face environment because I'd done it with previous clients. Yet there was this sense of experimentation about could it be done in a virtual environment? And so I worked across six different businesses, um, a group that had recently come together and had contributions from 600 people to create this new way of leadership. Now, I would never have been able to reach 600 people on a series of physical workshops with sites spread all, all across the UK. So to be able to do that virtually enabled me to have a much wider reach, 
that there was something really different about their energy and their participation and their willingness to take part in something they'd never done before in this way, which created such an energy around this piece of consulting work, which for me was one of the completely unexpected outcomes. But it really helped highlight to me about just the wide range of ways of getting people involved. So people ran workshops. We did some internal capability building. They facilitated workshops. They attended workshops. They could contribute on a virtual platform. We didn't want anybody to be left out of this process. And I never met any of these 600 people in person. And I wouldn't have imagined that could have been possible to, you know, to start a piece of consulting work, to work on it for nine months and never physically meet somebody. Yet now that is my world. You know, that's how much things have shifted and changed. Sounds multifaceted. If we don't embrace these techniques and ways of being anytime soon, and I know everybody's doing a little bit, but I, I mean, no, listen to the word here, embrace, no, fully embrace, and I suppose refine our presence in, mm. in, in this virtual world. What challenges might this bring for us as professionals in the future? I think we're at a really, a really interesting crossroads because there's something about the difference between how we respond and react to a pandemic. We didn't have any choice. We all went into crisis mode and we managed and we coped. The shift and the transition that's happening now is such a different one. We're out of crisis management mode. And I see this tension arising between between wanting to get back to normal and looking at what we've learned during the last 14, 15 months, what have we learned that is serving us well? That yes has shifted completely how we go about running our business or engaging people or meeting with people or getting people's contributions. Um, And so how do we embrace and continue with what has served us well without being tempted to, for things to go back to normal? I actually really hate that phrase, back to normal. So I think there's something about the consequences are around, around not fully being thoughtful about how we help and support not only ourselves, but our clients, or if you're working in-house, those people who, who are your colleagues and, and everybody who works that organization, how we support through this next transition. Because there's a big shift of psychological contract, let alone working contracts around hybrid working, around how often do people come into the office versus how often can they stay at home? How flexible and fluid are we remaining in our deciding about what our new ways of working are as a business and as an organization. And it'll be different for every organization, depending on the nature of of the business. So there's something about choices, which I think is, is really one of the big challenges about how do we involve those concerned if we're taking a Dialogic OD approach? How do we encourage participation in this conversation without putting ourselves so firmly into a box that says we are 
three days a week in the office, two days a week at home? Because we don't know, because we've not worked in this way without it being in a pandemic. So I think there's something about staying open. Um, I think there's something about what we're hearing so much about hybrid working. What does hybrid mean for you and for your business? I think that's really important, both at at an organizational level, which will shape and form the future culture and attract or lose talent or retain talent um, as everything starts to settle and emerge. Um, But also right down to a really practical, how do we run team meetings? How do we communicate and engage with people across across our business? Because running team meetings in a hybrid way has all kinds of complications. You know, I've done some workshops and things hybrid. In fact, I was running one yesterday. And And you have to be twice as thoughtful, if not three times as thoughtful, about how do I keep a sense of connection with all, with everybody who's attending? It's so easy when you're physically in a room together. We had six people in a room, six people virtually, and two facilitators. It's so easy for that group in the room to just chat amongst themselves. And anybody who's virtual just feels so disconnected. And it's not intentional, but it just happens. So, so for me, some of the challenges are around how do we do this thoughtfully? You know, how do we think about where some of the issues may come up and be thoughtful about that? And, and how do how are leaders and managers equipped both um, in their skill set and also in the in the technology? You know, just because we've returned back to the office environment, don't stop with those kind of formal and informal virtual interactions? You know, what are the rituals? What are the shared experiences that you want to have to form your new ways of working? Because rituals and shared experiences are so, so important. Really interesting. So you touched on a number of points there. I, I think there's something about being open. So mindset is always where it starts, isn't it? Absolutely. So um it is this hybrid way of being is here to stay in some shape or form. And, and you've mentioned the obvious skill set gap. And then they obviously of the obvious technology um, potential skill gap. Um, and you've also talked about shared experiences, which um, and, and creating rituals. So that's a cultural aspect to it. Mm. So all of that together, you know, thrown into the pot, absolutely tells us that this is something that we all need to be um, proactively engaging with in a way perhaps that's far more than just clicking on the link and saying, yes, I'll take part in this or yes, I'll deliver it over this forum. It is far more than that. So that leads me, I suppose, nicely into the next section, um, which is is thinking about our time-starved readers, 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 time-starved listeners even. What are going to be the five key messages from this book that they can tangibly take away, learn from and do something about? Uh, Okay, so I think the first one is about um, thoughtful outcomes and purpose. So if you're gathering people together, why are you bringing them together? You know, what is your intent about bringing them together? And I think for me, there's a real question now about when will we gather? 
and how will we meet? So, so there's a real intentionality about the design, about the level of interaction, about, about being very purposeful about why people are coming together at whatever level. If it's a, if it, even if it's a one-to-one conversation, a team meeting, a, you know, a, a senior team meeting, a big strategy session, you know, town hall meetings, whatever it may be, really intentional about why and about how we design and create a very interactive and participative. You know, if all you're doing is transmitting information, then I would say an online environment is not the right forum for that. You can do that in in a number of different ways. Great. The second key message is about about connection. I think there's something about the, the online medium. You know, we've got a clock ticking. You know, we've got half an hour in our diary, in our schedule. There's a real urge to just go straight into task. These are the five things we need to get done in the next half an hour. Let's get to them. But I think there's something so important when we are not physically together, whether that's all of us or some of us are in the room and some of us aren't in the room, about connecting in as human beings to start with. Because without that connection, the work that you need to do is not going to be done as effectively. You're not going to get the contributions from people. Um, There's a senior team that I've been working with over the last 18 months, and one of their rituals is checking in. How do we check in and connect? You know, do we spend 10 or 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes? And they have a really simple process. They rate on a scale of one to 10 their personal life right now, their current work environment, and the future of the business. Wow, I'm loving those three uh, ideas. And it's, and it's really interesting. And each person, and it's a ritual and it's a well um, structured process for people to follow. Every person uninterrupted, so people listen, have a chance to give their three scores. Um, And what's really interesting is when they first started to do it, everybody was a bit awkward and nobody wanted to admit there was anything below an eight or maybe even a nine. But as time went on, psychological safety was built. People felt more comfortable to be vulnerable. And, And those conversations just set such a different tone for the task part of their monthly SMT meeting that follows. And what's happening now is they're starting to use that same check-in process for their own teams. So you've got this cultural difference that is starting to to filter through organisations. So connection before content every time for me. The third one um, is, is what I call in the book the frame of participation. So moving away from the fact that this, let's say we've got an hours meeting, that it all happens in that hour, we then broaden the participation frame to say, what can we do beforehand so that when people dial in at 10 o'clock, they are ready to participate? They have done preparation. They've done their own thinking. They may have canvassed some views and thoughts about other people. Um, We're not making presentations to do quarterly updates, that's all done beforehand. So the precious time that you have people together online at the same time is really used for participation. 
full participation and that you're embracing asynchronous and synchronous working on collaborative platforms. There's some fabulous collaborative platforms out there. You might just need to explain what those two phrases mean. (laughs) (laughs) So synchronous, we're working synchronously now on on, on this this podcast as we record it. We're all here and we're interacting with each other now in, in, in real time. Asynchronous is I might have set up a mural board and you might have asked me these questions that we've talked through this morning. Um, You might have asked me them and I could think about them and and put my responses onto the mural board um, at 10 o'clock at night. You might then want to pick it up at eight o'clock in the morning. So we're still developing and working together, but we don't have to meet together absolutely at the same time. That's asynchronous. Um, And I think it's a really underused way of working. Right. So that's three great points so far. Have you got two more for I have got two more. The the fourth one is about psychological safety. Mm -hmm. And it was something for me, and it's really current at the moment. I'm reading a lot around psychological safety, seeing it popping up in groups that I'm part of, a lot on LinkedIn, around how do we help people feel safe enough to take risks and to be vulnerable whether that's speaking up with ideas, whether that's talking about things they're concerned about, whether that's asking questions, whether that's making mistakes. How safe do people feel without feeling that they're going to be humiliated or punished for that? So psychological safety is is also really important in an online virtual environment. Um, and, And leaders can do or facilitators or whoever you are chairing and facilitating and hosting something there's some really simple things that are in the book that you can do to help build psychological safety and then you get the best from people because they're comfortable they're relaxed you know they're having fun and they can contribute and that's what you want from them that's why you've invited them in the first place and then my final one is about how you go about hosting, chairing, facilitating um, a, a workshop or a meeting, whatever you're working and doing virtually, how do you use yourself? You know, both how you structure the time, but what you say, how you look, how you speak, how well can you be heard? Do you have your camera on? All of those things will impact the experience that other people have. Gwen, absolutely superb. Thank you. My pleasure. We are living in interesting and indeed progressive times for many of us in the world of work. It will be fascinating to see how different organisations continue to embrace virtual and hybrid. And I know, Gwen, you might come back and join us again in a few months' time to talk in detail about hybrid working, because I know that's something you're also very passionate about. Yeah. Um, Perhaps next year, when we're witnessing the world evolve, in a slightly different shape, um, we will we'll continue to have this conversation. Thanks again, Gwen. My pleasure, Karen. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I would love to come back. You know, I think this is the start of, again, another um, evolution of, of how we need to think about how we do our work as consultants and also how we support uh, senior leaders within organisations. Great. Bye for now.